The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. I am your host, and welcome to another episode, a very exciting episode. But before we get into our guest, I wanted to take a minute and read a review we got this week. I haven't been reading reviews lately, but this one was just so wonderful. And I thank everyone who takes the time to leave reviews. This was on iTunes Podcasts. It's from uh, user Katie Darling 2 And it says, I look forward to Monday morning for each new episode, and I'm always disappointed when it's over. But because of Latter-day Lives, I've found other wholesome content to enjoy. I love listening to Sean. He is so funny and sounds like such a friendly and loving person. It is wonderful to hear the testimonies of so many fantastic people and to learn from them and their experiences. Thanks for a wonderful listen. Katie Darling, too. Thank you so much. I am touched. Uh, we really appreciate that you listen, and thank you for such a great review. We sure bring on some amazing guests, and boy, this week is no exception. This week, my guest is uh, Sean Barrows. Sean is a musician. He's a singer. He was uh, in the top 30 for American Idol. We're going to talk about that. He tours all over the country. He records, and he's always doing new projects. He is such an inspiring and fantastic guest. He is just amazing. And this week in my Latter-day Life, I'm going to tell you about a new friend I made and uh, a dummy I got to meet. And that is all coming up later on in the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And it is my pleasure to have here in the Latter-day Live studio as my guest, an amazing musical star, and we're going to talk all about it. Sean Barrows is my guest. Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here, man. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. So I got to meet Sean a few years back, four or five years ago, mm-hmm. uh, at a big event in Boise. I had heard about Sean from our mutual friend, Jason Hewlett, yep, many Jason. times. Yeah, Jason just raving. We... Jason and I always laugh that I owe him a royalty because his name comes up almost every week because anyone connected to entertainment is connected <laughs> Jason, to Jason. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he is such a big fan of yours. Uh, and he's, so, he's so great about that too. He just raves. I'm excited we get to sit down and, and yeah, talk. So definitely. tell us a little bit about the early life of Sean Barrows. Where are you from, Sean? Uh, military life. You know, my dad was army. So we grew up in Alaska and Maryland and Kansas. My brothers were born in Germany. You know, um, I was uh, born in Utah, but lived here for six months. So, you know, not really like a born and raised kind of thing. <laughs> is there a state that you consider more home? I mean, is it's there somewhere Utah you were now. a long time? I'd say Utah now because I went to high school here. Okay, I came cool. back here for high school. So we, so it was six years in Alaska, six years in Maryland, and then four years in Utah. But those four years were the high school years. And then yeah. I came back here after the you know my mission and stuff like that. That makes it a real connection. Yeah, totally. So you come from an LDS family? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They're they're all very hardcore, uh, active LDS. Awesome. Mm-hmm. How many siblings do you have? Uh, there's five of us total. Ah, I'm, great. I'm in the middle. Yeah. Middle child. Middle child of a an almost median size LDS family. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, and, and and five is an interesting number because that means that there's two pairs, and then one. 
Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> if it's like did, seven, seven isn't really a middle child the same as five is, you know? Yeah. yeah it's like, so did you feel that way? Did you feel like the older two kind of were a pair yeah. and you were kind of in no man's land? Yeah, exactly. Huh. And it yeah. was it was definitely that way. My older brothers went to high school together and they, they yeah. shared a car and shared a room and all this other stuff. My two younger sisters were both the girls in the family, so they shared a room and all this stuff. I had my own room and <laughs> I was just kind of like doing my own thing, doing it you know, all the time. And, and uh, I was back in the, in, the, in the younger years, I wanted to be a cartoonist. Oh, really? That was the first uh, goal. So I looked at Disney and I was like, Disney cartoonist was my dream. And so I was taking art lessons and drawing and by myself. I was always doing something by myself. That's just kind of, I was always, uh, you know, working on some something, whether it was piano lessons, voice lessons, drawing lessons, whatever else, just kind of in my own little corner practicing. <laughs> I hear that from a lot of artists. I really do. I hear from a lot of artists that they have time on their own, maybe to explore their art and to figure out what they're good yeah, at because definitely yeah when you're when you're alone i mean i used to put on plays when i was a little kid i'd you know write <laughs> out full full plays and stories and yeah. I'd sit and write poetry and all kinds of stuff and very cool did you know that you were musically talented at a young age or was this something later in yeah, life yeah no i we were performing my, my whole family performed together we were like oh, the yeah. von trap family you know <laughs> it was it was definitely like with better costumes that's right better costumes <laughs> no curtains <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, we. I, I was performing since I was three. Wow! So I I knew how to play on. It was on the violin, then on the piano, then singing, then clarinet, then uh, I don't know a number of different other things. But eventually, like by the time I was fifteen, I already had an album out that was, and I was just playing and singing wherever. Unbelievable! So your parents are musically talented, also. They are. My mom especially. My dad is too. My dad was more like visually artistic. But he's, he sings still, you know, he's like yeah. choir singer or that, whatever else. But he, he would sing with my mom as a duet. So my mom would sing the lead and he would harmonize. What kind of songs, like what kind of music did you do as a family? It's definitely folk. I would say it's yeah. like German folk or something like that. I mean, German folk. I mean, that's why I say Von Trapp yeah. family. It's, it really is much, the Von Trapp. It, it was very much like that. <laughs> we, we would sing, I mean, there would be like some religious songs and whatever else. But for the most part, I felt like we were just singing these, uh, I don't know, something like an Everly Brothers or a... Dolly Parton or something yeah. like that, just uh, kind of like that down old home Americana. Yeah, down yeah. home Americana music. Yeah, where would you perform? Usually, other churches like uh, Catholic and Baptist and whatever else. And wow, what just, what did you call yourselves? Probably just the Barrows family. I don't even know Bar- Barrows family singers. <laughs> yeah. It's the Barrows family. I, I, I don't even know. Yeah, they they didn't really have like it wasn't anything official. We just always did it all the time. So, uh, do you have any siblings that are not musically talented? Nope, they all were all. Yeah. Gosh, I see. I, so we've had multiple musicians on. Oh, we've had a lot of musicians. And I am the least musical person on earth. <laughs> and I don't know of anyone in my family bloodline who has ever had remotely any musical talent. <laughs> and so I think there is. I do. I think it's DNA. There's, uh, oh, I mean, I'm sure we, we have ancestors who are all musical. Unbelievable. My, my mom's grandma was a famous pianist, huh. she played for the great Caruso. At Carnegie oh, Hall, wow! Accompanying him, I mean, then I have a, you know, I have a few others like um, I try to think of who else. They were like choir singers and stuff like that. Truman Angel was a, more of an architect, but he's one of them. That's amazing. Uh, so yeah, so our, all your life it was just kind of a given. You're it, a musical yeah. guy from birth. You don't remember a specific time where it was like, hey, yeah, I can sing. And it's kind of funny because you think of that as like a, a blessing and a curse in a way, because musical talent, especially when it becomes a career of some kind. It's it's definitely sometimes feels like a curse because there is no consistency or stability or 
sanity in the music industry. <laughs> there is none of those things. And you can almost say there's none of that in the arts. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, whether yeah. you're a writer or a painter or a whatever. Oh, man, yeah, some actors, yeah. any, any of those industries, like, yeah. they're, they're just, you have an up and down life. And yeah. You got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Before we move on from your family, um, are any of your siblings still pursuing music the way you are? No, no. They all, um, the cl- no. My my oldest brother pursued art. Yeah, he, he's a video game designer. Oh yeah, it's, cool. And actually, he he's one of the designers for Fortnite, which is the oh, which is like the huge rage game. right now. Yeah. Yeah. So he was he was one of the top guys for that game. That's incredible. But my my I have a younger sister who does Hale Center Theater. You know, cool. she'll be, she's trying to be the lead at the next Hale Center musical. So That'd be she awesome. does, you know, brought, it's not like a career, but it's, it's definitely a good side project yeah. of hers that she does. So at what point you said by 15, you're performing on your own. Yeah. What was, how did that happen? Do you remember that happening? Was that something you chose or your parents? No, it was, um, I mean, I definitely wanted to do it and my piano teacher encouraged it. Mm. Uh, I was at this point of my piano lessons where he could tell that I was bored playing just the notes. And yeah. he he's like, okay, Gershwin's great, but what do you really want to play? And I and I wanted to write, and mm. um, and so he said, next week come come to me with an original song idea, and <laughs> that was what I did. I was like, oh, that's perfect. And I, I worked on that all week. That was like the most exciting week, uh, figuring out how to write a song. And uh, yeah, then I came back to him. He's like, here's my song. He's like, great, do another one. And I started writing a bunch of songs. And yeah, I just and you were fully flowing. writing out the music like on yeah. Sheets of music. Yeah. Unbelievable. At what age was that? This was 15, and I was hand, this 15. handwritten. So this is before Sibelius and all these other programs where you can just type it in, uh, or you could just play it and it just automatically do it for I, I didn't know that existed anyway, So, but yeah. that's, that's amazing. <laughs> so you're handwriting this at yeah. 15, which your mom and dad must have loved. Like, yeah. They, how cool. It, they, they loved it, and I could tell that they were also worried because in their mind they're like, is he, you know, he's still going to get like a law degree or something, right? <laughs> he's yeah. still going to go into medicine yeah. or, you know, do something stable, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a reason that they don't say starving doctors. Yeah, that's it's right. It's starving artists. Yeah, it's yeah. starving artists for a reason. Yeah, they, there's, they, I'm sure they were like, they were encouraging and they were definitely very yeah. supportive. But all the while they were like, they were worried that like, you know, is he going to really try to pursue this? Because we don't know how that industry is. They Sure. They, uh, my mom like brushed a little bit with it, but not really. She... She she decided to be a stay at home mom and turned down Broadway offers. Wow! So she had like off Broadway offers in the beginning that could have led to Broadway offers, and she just turned it all down to be a mom because she didn't like the world either. She didn't like the um, the atmosphere of it. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of temptation out there. Obviously, it is not easy. It is our guest last week actually. Another Sean is a Broadway star. Yeah. And, and you know it's it's a tough life. It's it's not easy. Yeah, it, it's so I could see the concern, but also some wait, pride. Which Sean was it? It was uh, Sean Perry. Oh, I know. Yeah, totally you know Sean, Sean Perry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So Sean Perry was our our guest last nice. week, and yeah. I'm saying this all last week, even though I interviewed him about two hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> Great guy, amazing yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so in any case, uh, at 15, what was your first solo project? I mean, did you actually go into the studio and record? I did. I well, no, no, no. The first one was so we had a, a kind of a fortuitous moment where I guess a friend of the family needed to drop off an extra studio because he had to move out of his house. He was going through a divorce. Mm. Needed a you know quick cash, trying to like sell his whole studio setup. My parents bought it to support him and said, "Well, our son could totally use this anyway." So they they bought it 
just first to support him. Wow. Help him through his divorce pro- uh, process. Sure. And I, I think they gave him like 10,000 bucks or something like that for the studio. Sheesh. And then I had this whole studio. I'm like, what the heck is all this gear? And they, they, they was like, surprise. I'm like, this is the coolest Christmas present ever. <laughs> I got a whole studio in my basement all of a sudden. For context for our listeners, how old are you now? 38. You're 38 now. So this is 23 years ago. 23 years. So it's a full analog setup. Totally. With Completely tape. analog tape. with tape. It's on tape. Big reels of tape? I had reels. I oh had reels my of tape. Gosh, really? I recorded this first album on reels of tape. <laughs> yeah, That's isn't that so nuts? Cool. And, and there was That's some really digital neat. too. There was like, it was just at that crossover where yeah, they were starting to get some about digital. About that time. Yeah. Yeah. So I was writing in there. I mean, once that studio was there, I was there every single day. I had uh. friends from high school coming over and like singing on the stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, come and come to my studio. Like, pretty amazing. <laughs> Did you ever use that? To meet girls, like, did you ever? Oh, did you ever drop the line of, "Yeah, sorry, I can't go out Friday night. I'm going to be in my studio recording my oh, new I, album." I hammed everything I could, man. I, I was the worst at it too. I was terrible. I'm, I'm Napoleon Dynamite all the way. This is like, let me just tell you, there's some, there's some moments. Yeah, I, I mean, so not only that, because I had one song that was finished on the album that was a slow dance song. And my friend happened to be the one who was in charge of the dances at the school. Oh, yeah. He's my best friend. And so like he, he played that song. And I'm like, yes, this is my moment to shine with all these girls. And I looked like I was 12. In high school, I, mean, I, I barely passed off as a 12-year-old. I, you could pass for your 20s now. I, I've always had the yeah, baby face. Sure. It, it didn't help me at all in high school. And no girl wanted to go out and be seen dating a guy who looked like he was 12. Oh, that's so I mean, like my, my voice has barely changed. I mean, it was, it was one of those things. And so I, I, but I'd still go to these girls that try to impress them and say, by the way, this is my song. We're dancing. This is my song. We're dancing this song. It's like, this is me, by the way. I'm singing right now. (laughs) Were girls impressed? Not at all. (laughs) Not at all, man. I I, I was, I was the worst at delivery. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) I could, I was, and so the Napoleon Dynamite moment was, was my, was prom. I asked a girl out to prom by drawing her yearbook picture. Which is exactly what Napoleon an- Dynamite did. That's exactly what he <laughs> that did in that movie. That is literally Napoleon Dynamite. And, yeah, I walked up with a photo, with a hand-sketched photo of her yearbook photo. I hand- I knocked on her door and said, hey, will you go to prom with me? And I handed that to her. She's like, I don't know what to do with this. And I'm already asked out. But, or I, oh, she, she just no. She flat out just turned me down. She oh, was nice Sean. about it. Oh. She was nice about it, that, which would hurt more. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. <laughs> it was so bad. So what uh, did you do with the album? When you're 15. Oh, I, 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 I was a hustler, man. I sold yeah. that thing door to door. I sold it to all my high school friends. I sold like 400 copies of that thing at the age of 17, I think, I think is when it was finally wow. released. And uh, I'm, I'm just like, yeah, selling it to every neighbor, friend, and family. And uh, yeah, making, uh, so I made the money back on that one. Yeah. Just because, you know, I, I, I hustled it. That's amazing. So you've got this burgeoning music career. Hasn't led to girls yet. You get no done with high school. <laughs> Was it, you know, knowing you wanted to pursue music, was it tough to make the choice to go on a mission? Yeah, it definitely was, because I was releasing an album, my second album, just before, mm. and I felt like it didn't, I didn't quite fully release it, because I just, I didn't have a way to hustle it out there. I yeah. just, like, dropped the album, there was, like, 18 songs on this one, and uh, I left on my mission, like, the week after, so yeah. there, and then just sat there, and so I'm like, well, uh, hopefully some people buy it, you know, hopefully someone will want it, and... Uh, now, then, to put it in perspective again, this is if you were going to download the album at this point, 
you know, you're going to download a song over dial-up that's going to take an hour and a half. I know, yeah. This, I mean, this was way, this is so early on. This I mean, is still hard copy CDs. Yeah, it's yeah. CDs. Yeah. yeah, and so you still have to like yeah. sell the physical <laughs> CD somewhere. Yeah. And I, I even had to leave before I finished the album artwork on this one. So it didn't look like the other one. The other one had like pro artwork and, yeah. and it was a little more finished. And so this one was like a little bit of an unfinished project because I had to go. But all originals. All originals, yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So, so you ended up going on a mission. Where'd you serve? Peru. Peru. Yep, Spanish speaking. Yeah, how was that? It was cool. It was cool. Yep. And, I, and I mean, the whole while I was down there, I mean, I was, I was definitely focused 100% on my mission. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go 100% in it. You know, I don't want to be in and out, one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. Uh, I still had song ideas that came naturally. I didn't try. Were you the cool guy in the district because you could sing? The guys yeah. in my mission, I, you know, I, look, everybody closes off their heart or whatever the big talk is, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. but I would, I would go and I would speak at a zone conference and, and, you know, I got to speak a fair amount on my mission uh-huh. and everybody be sitting there just nodding and yeah. whatever. And hopefully the spirits there. And then the other freaking elder would stand up and would sing one song. And I'd see the sister missionaries melting in the pews. Oh, yeah, just, right. yeah. And I'd go, come on, I just spoke for half an hour. <laughs> this guy sings for four minutes no and fair. all the sisters are going nuts. This I know. Totally unfair. That was when the tide started to turn for, for sure. Because like singing now, like, yeah, I could, I could sing there. We, we formed a little trio with the, with the AP, the assistant. Yeah. Um, the AP and one of the zone leaders, the three of us did a little trio. Cool. And uh, he said, this is great. Let's, let's put firesides all around the city. And we would just travel on Sundays and do these firesides. And we're like, yeah, it's great. We can, we can do something musical and it's, awesome. it's fun. And uh, yeah, absolutely. We, I would use music as often as What a as great missionary tool. It was. Well, you know, the thing is, music is a, a very misunderstood medium. Mm. Uh, a lot of people think it's entertainment. It's, uh, it's really the other side of the coin of medicine. It's, it's like medicine. Mm. You have a, if with, with doctors, they heal your body. And with music, you heal the soul, the emotion. There's a lot of things that, that are healing properties with music. Gosh, I believe that. I believe that 100%. I'm yeah. all in on that theory. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's proven to be a stress reliever. They use it in hospitals all the time now. And they show that people recover faster with music. Yeah. It's because it reduces anxiety and stress. I actually read a study once, if you remember, uh, remember the movie Top Gun? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, Danger Zone. Uh When that song came out, there was an actual study about how much speeding tickets went up when that song was number (laughs) one. Oh, yeah. And they could trace the, they could track the speeding tickets to the rise and fall of that song being popular and played on the radio. <laughs> That's funny. Because people would hear it, they'd think of Top Gun, and they'd gun it. They'd gun yeah, it. there's so much emotion yeah. to music. I mean... Yeah, I, for good, for better or for worse. It, it, and if you don't understand it, then you can be taken advantage of it by, you know, by it yeah. as well. Because if you're, if you're oblivious to it, then people who know what they're doing with the music can sway you in the wrong direction. Mm, yeah, that's fair. That, that, I mean, that makes total sense. You See, think about like, yeah, I mean, just think, think about top 40, how many of these songs, and it's, a lot of people say, well, yeah, it's obvious because the lyrics are talking about, they're like explicit lyrics, you know, explicit lyrics obviously are doing that, but the music itself is also doing something. Hmm, yeah. Oh, I believe it. I believe because I know how I feel when I listen yeah. to punk rock versus, uh, yeah. you know, when I listen to something that's good for my soul. Yeah. And there are certain songs where I know if I'm down and listen to them, they'll get me up. And other times when I want to chill out. I mean, yeah. music, music has that effect, so yeah, I, I totally buy that. So you get home from your mission. Did you immediately pursue music, or did you have thoughts of putting it on the back burner? I put it on the back burner. I went to BYU. I went to into political science, and I was planning on getting a law degree. 
Wow. And uh, for a year and a half, I pursued that. Mm. But I couldn't get away from it because I was still taking a songwriting class or something like that. And I was still writing one music. One foot in. Yeah. I had one. I couldn't, I couldn't leave it. Mm. And as much as I thought like, well, you know, I need, I need to get something stable. I need to have a family. My mission president told me to get married. You know, <laughs> that's like the parting words of every of mission course, president. Of course, every right? mission president. Go home. Get <laughs> little, married. Little did he know that my wife was 15 years younger and only four years old at the time. Oh. He said this. <laughs> like, this is great foreshadowing yeah, for what's to right. come. Yeah. I know. Or I guess, I, I, sorry, I guess it'd be 21. So she'd be, she'd be six. Yeah. So my, my wife-to-be was six years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was so. good that you stuck around and waited. That's right. All right. So that's coming up. Yeah. But you're at BYU... Working on the law degree for a year and a half. Yeah, for a year and a half, taking these little these classes, and I, and I was I liked to debate, I liked politics, and I liked history, you know. What yeah. I mean? And so that was like, okay, this could fit. This could be. It's not. I'm not passionate about it, but I could be good at it, you know. Yeah. And um, and I was doing really well in all the classes, and I was excelling at it. So I'm like, good. I actually have a future in in law school. I have my options open right now, uh, but it wasn't. I couldn't. I couldn't love it, you know. And and so mm. part of me was like. Um, Everywhere I went, like socially and everything, I'm like I, I felt so boring. I'm like mm. I'm just political science guy. Like yeah, you don't say I'm a political science major, and have people go really? What's that all about? I know. Not as much. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not that it's bad, but I, and I mean, it's also just how you present it too. It's if your heart's not in it, they can mm. tell. Yeah. And as soon as your heart's in something else, the 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 the, the difference between saying you know oh yeah I'm a, I'm a plumber or I'm a you know I'm I'm a Houseworker of some kind or whatever, whatever it is, but you just say it with ho hum, yeah, you know, and with no enthusiasm of any kind. You could be the same exact profession, but you're excited about it and passionate yeah. about it, and everybody flocks to you all of a sudden. Like this guy's got an attitude that I, I, I like something about this is identifying with me. I have a friend who does construction. He talks about it as if he is making the most beautiful masterpiece. When he when he shows me pictures, yeah, of what he's created, he talks about it like he's painted the Mona Lisa. Yeah. And and I and I'm not talking about he's building like furniture. I'm saying like he's repairing a hole in a wall. <laughs> yeah. And, and yet he's in love with it. And I love that. I love people who are passionate about what they do. Of course, everybody's drawn to that. So music draws you back in. It's it's yeah. there's no way. And now I have in. to ask you cuz we we now know you're waiting quite a while before getting married. Yeah. At BYU, there's always that expectation. You walk in single, you walk out married. <laughs> right. Were you were you feeling like, hey, wait a minute, this didn't happen. What's going on? I mean, I got engaged at BYU. I got engaged like a few weeks after I got home from a mission to someone I never knew. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I met her and three weeks later proposed to her. And uh, and then two months later into this into this engagement, I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> yes. So oh, I, my gosh. I had a wake-up call, didn't get married. Saved myself from that. Was uh, that a brutal breakup? It, I think it was more f- for, for her. For her, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, her, it's, yeah. so it's, she was fully like, we are getting in. married. Yeah. Okay, so for what it's worth, I met my wife. We kind of knew each other for a month, month and a half, something like that. Uh-huh. Went out on a date one night, started talking marriage three weeks later, got married less than four months later. Wow. And we're about to have our 24th anniversary. Wow. So it does work. Sometimes, sometimes. But holy yeah. cow, do I not recommend that? <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, I mean, it was a, and then like you have a rough ride after that. Cause I mean, out of, out of BYU, the dating scene is very different. You're suddenly in singles wards and YSA activities. Yeah. And it's like, everything is a little bit more strained. It's, it's not as natural to meet people. You have to really go out of your way. Yeah. It's and, work. And, and, and the problem with that is, I guess, 
now the girl knows that if you just say hello, she, she knows you're going you're gonna to ask her out. Yeah. And so suddenly you can't just say hello and be a friend. You have to commit and say, if I'm going to talk to that girl, I got to ask her out. And that's the only option. And, and then you get blown off a lot for that. And Plus, I got I to think that, that some of these girls where they're, they're saying, so what do you do? Well, I was going to BYU to be a lawyer, but I left it to pursue music. That's a rough opening line. Oh, it's a, it's a turnoff for I a mean, lot of women. Yeah. I, got, I got to meet my future father-in-law, and my wife is a, an occupational therapist. She was her class president at a medical university, and I got oh, to yeah. say, hi, I'm an aspiring stand-up comic. <laughs> I'm marrying your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it doesn't always go great. He's like, no, you're not. Yeah, my my. Fortunately, my father in law was great about it, and and that's things cool. have been things have worked out pretty darn well. But but that's got to that's got to make it a little tricky. So, what was your first step back into music then? You know, I I, uh, I, I actually literally just drove to L.A. and it was the weirdest thing. So I I just kind of said, I'm not going to school anymore. I packed up my car and drove, mm. and it was like literally over the course of a couple of days. Wow. So I I, uh, I had nowhere to stay. I lived out of my car for three and a half years. Uh, I had just, I crashed on floors and couches and whatever else. For three and a half years in yeah. LA. Air mattress. I, I, I That air mattress was my best friend. I just like go to someone else's house and go, I got my air mattress. Don't worry about it. Just start pumping it up. <laughs> and just like sitting, sleeping in somebody's corner. <laughs> how, how much were you pursuing performance versus recording? That was, uh, you know, I, I mean, that's, that's a good question because at the time I didn't have any idea. I mm. was just like, I'm pursuing music. I don't know what that music, means. whatever, whatever comes this yeah. way. So I was, I was recording as often as I could. And I was at first, I would say probably more recording yeah, than performing. Cause I didn't really know. I didn't know what I was good at yet. I was still like, well, I think my, my talent is songwriting. So I would just say, that's probably my main, my main number one talent. Let me just focus on songwriting. So I better record demo after demo. And yeah. Find the find the right producer and and all that stuff and people started to build up my my singing ability as well as I went along. They're like you actually have a unique voice, you should try singing your own stuff rather than trying to pitch it to other singers. Yeah, and um, so I started doing that after that point and decided to start trying out for competitions and stuff as a singer, and that's what led me to American Idol. Yeah, and then I did American Idol like uh, that so, was so. Let's talk about the whole American Idol experience, man. Walk us through it. Yeah, it was. It was a. Uh, I mean, at that point, I was an artist, right? Yeah. And I was How like old were you? Twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah, and so, and I'm like a hardcore artist, right? Yeah. I don't touch cover songs. Mm. I don't touch the karaoke singing or the lounge singing or the wedding singing. I don't touch it. You could you could offer me twenty five grand to sing at your wedding. I would I would turn it down. You were the true I was, artist. I was, I was a purist, man. You were an artiste. I, give me my air mattress <laughs> it's, it's and my right. scruples, and I am happy. <laughs> and, and, and I guess when you're single, you can afford to do that kind of stuff, sure. right? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not married, so I don't, I'm not beholden to anybody yeah. else. I'm just going to do it my way. Once, once I had a wife, I would sing at a wedding if someone asked me, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not a singer. So, so did you wait in the big line for American oh, totally Idol? Did. You did the, you did the whole thing. You had the whole experience. I, I I had people talk me into it. It was yeah. kind of like, I said no to no over and over and over again, season yeah. after season. And season seven, I finally said, you know what? Fine. You guys keep asking me to go and do it. And I should do it and whatever else. Why not? Why not? I'm, I'm, a, I'm in South Carolina. I'm like, I got an extra day. They're auditioning. Just, it was a coincidence. I, it was just one of those things where I was already traveling around. Yeah. And like, you know what? I could just postpone my flight and stay one more day. And, and try out for this thing. Who were the judges at the time? The original three. The original three judges. Yeah. 
So you finally get your moment. You had to go through the pre... There was four stages. So you have three... Um, there's the big cattle call. Yeah. You have 10,000 people in a room, and they have 18 judges, and you uh, and they divide them up into two, two at a time, two tables, or nine tables of two, mm. with just a little dividing curtain behind between them. So you're hearing everyone. You're hearing everybody. Yeah. Oh and, and so that's nerve-wracking. I mean, because <laughs> you're, you're hearing all these amazing singers getting turned down and turned down oh. and over and over again. Like my, I mean, I, we're in rows of four, and I'm in the middle of the four, and you see all these other rows of four in front of us, and they're just all getting turned down, all four, all four. Four at a time. Boom, no, no, boom, yes, boom, like, boom, boom, boom. Okay, thank, thank you very much. Well, yeah, Shot down. Yeah, you're, uh, wow. you're, uh, you're good to go. And then when I did mine, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to – I got to figure out what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? And uh, I sang, I scattered a version of I Just Called to Say I Love You. Because I'm like, well, this is kind of gimmicky. Let me just do something gimmicky because that's that seems to work. Yeah. So I did this little scatty thing. Like, did beep, 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 bop, bop, let's do it. You know, <laughs> didn't that kind of... So I, I just called to say... Oh, yeah. Okay. I just called to say I love it, bibbidi, I just called. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. I, I just, that's I, actually really cool. I just did this little scatty version of, of Stevie Wonder and they're like... Uh, you're the one. Everybody else, you're good to go. They hand me my golden ticket, and I walked on. Wow! It's like walking on on air for a minute. I'm like, I gotta, I got a thing. <laughs> and and <laughs> so then it's on to more of the same. More of the same, right? They Just have whittling to, it down. They have to verify that their their choice was good. So they yeah. they put you in front of the same judges again. You sing a second song, and they said, okay, that that was good again. So now then you go in front of Nigel and the producers of the show. Right. Same thing. They said, okay, that's that's let's give you your golden ticket. Or not your golden ticket. Let's let you sing in front of the three judges now. Yeah. And then I went in front of the three judges, and Paula and Randy gave me a yes. Simon said, I don't, it doesn't matter, because they already said yes. Because they already yes. said yes. You're on to Hollywood. So I got my golden ticket, and I mean, I was by myself in South Carolina. So you walk out. What do you do? Do you call someone? <laughs> like, I, yeah. I know, because usually I, they show the TV yeah. you know, with all the family gathering around and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, well, I got nobody, so uh, I'll jump up and down for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and hope that gets on TV. Yeah. It didn't. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't no. make TV. It wasn't. But you got enough. to go to Hollywood Week. I did. So you actually do they they put you up in the hotel. Uh huh. So so air mattress be gone. I know, right? Yeah, yeah you get a free gone. hotel out of it. Yeah. What, what was next on American Idol? Um. See, then there's a, a few more rounds at Hollywood Week. So the first round, you have two chances. They give you two chances, mm-hmm. and I, I I failed the first round. So I got to go to this like uh, the workshop last... kind of thing. No, it wasn't a workshop. Right? This one was more like you just have a sudden death round. Oh, really? Okay. You have to just try it one more time. Mm. And, I, and I sang "Summertime" acapella, and that was the first time Simon actually said, "You're the one we're looking for. Go on through." Yeah. And I made it through that round and on to the next and the final round of Hollywood Week. And um, so that was actually a separate time too. It's because like you actually they fly you back a second time. Oh, okay, this, I didn't know that, that. Other Hollywood week, they only show it as one week. Yeah, but it was actually two weeks, two oh, separate okay, weeks. Okay, cool, cool. And there's like a few months in between. It's not like back to back. And you're not allowed to talk about everything that's happened. Can't talk about anything. Can't really do anything because like, what are you going to do? You can't build a career. Can't commit to anything. Yeah, but I want to book a tour right now. It's like you know. Like yeah. You, yeah, you have to put everything on hold for a while oh. and just see what happens. And so for two months, I was just practicing singing and hitting the gym, getting getting in that was shape. It. I finally to, got in shape. Trying to look good and sound good. <laughs> that was the first time I was ever in shape. <laughs> hey, you got that for you. Yeah, I know. I was at the gym like three three hours a day. I'm That's like, fantastic. Might as well work out, you know? And, yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I've always been a productive type. I, yeah. I don't just sit around and play video games while no. I'm waiting around. So then you go back. 
for your second Hollywood week. I go go back, and that was when I finally got cut. It was it was yep. down to the last thirty people. They picked the top twenty four, so I was I was in the top thirty, and then mm. I got, I got cut as the very last, like the second to last person. Yeah, cut. we had Bree Ray on the show, and she hit kind of almost the same exact point. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, amazing. So was the experience well worth it? It was, and the thing is, this is a funny thing. Like, I mean, I, I'm I'm a hustler. Remember, I go back to yeah, my 15 year old. You're knocking doors, knocking doors, right? So you give me any any resume, puff, you know, puff piece, some kind of builder, and yeah. I will I will make the most of it. And so with American Idol Top 30, I put that I put myself on tour for years on that on that one thing. Yeah, you know, I, I got gigs I would have never gotten just because I proactively reached out and said, Hey, I was an American Idol. I'm, I'm looking to do this gig. And they're like, Oh, American Idol. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're you our guy. Yeah. So, but you not only, I mean, having seen your show and having seen a lot of video of your older performances, yeah. you put together a show. I mean, not just, you know, you, you think about a one man show of a guy playing piano and uh-huh. singing. Yeah. You kind of go, yeah, what, what is there to that? You know? <laughs> right. Right. But you came up with really creative ways to play the piano. Talk uh-huh. a little bit about that. You know, I mean, it's it, it takes a long time to, to figure out a stylistic way to play the piano that still wows people. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, because almost everything you do, is, they say, that reminds me of so-and-so. That mm. reminds me of Billy Joel. That reminds me of Ben Folds. That reminds me of Harry Connick. Yeah. So how do you create something that's different? And uh, I, I'd get percussive with the piano. You know, I'd, I'd start slapping the piano. I'd, I'd start creating like... You know how do you how do you create a string part with this piano? Like how would you play it if this were a violin instead? And yeah. you kind of you, you kind of mess around. It's fascinating. It. You're playing backward. You're playing. I mean, yeah. It, when it, I would I would jump up and down. There was one where I'd like I'd hit it. I'd run around, spin, slam on the keys again, spin, slam on the keys again. What was the nickname you used during that time? Hammer hands. Hammer hands. Yep. That's how I heard of you first. Yeah. I was like, Hammer Hands. I know. And I got to meet Hammer Hands. <laughs> That's right, man. I would, I would, I would detune pianos. <laughs> I was known as the guy who would knock every piano out of tune. <laughs> so you were touring, and I mean, you were taking corporate gigs. Yeah. You yeah. were doing schools. You're doing schools. Yeah. School. So I did a lot of original music uh, tours where that was the thing is like, how do you get people to come to your show for an original song? Mm, original set. Yeah, that's hard. Because if you do like a tribute concert or a cover yeah. band set, they're coming for like the the other songs. Uh, to, the trick was like, how do I how do I get the word out about my original music? And I did I did tours around like, I mean, first thing I did was I booked piano recital halls, and they were like the, uh, an uncool venue, but they're fifty bucks to rent. You had a grand piano and and a hundred seat venue. So how did you market that? How did you get people to go? Uh, I used uh, MySpace. <laughs> that was in the MySpace days. MySpace, I love it. <laughs> I, I spammed people on MySpace. Cool. Part of the reason why MySpace went out of business. <laughs> I'm oh, one of the that's reasons. awesome. That's and, awesome. And then I also, like, I use dating sites because I'm single. I'm like, I'm going to flirt with girls to get them to come to my show. <laughs> yes, what a great strategy. I know, because I was thinking, well, I, I want to date these girls anyway. Hey, so. If I'm going to meet them anyway, why yeah. not have them come to my show and pay? Yeah, have them pay. Have them pay to come to the show. I'll sign their thing, take a photo with them. And there was always a couple where I'm like more excited than others. I'm like, I'd invite them all just because I'm like, hey, the more women I get there, the better. Hey, that's not bad, because <laughs> then guys want to show up. Then guys want to show up, and I have options. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, so you really hit the road. I mean, you were a true, oh, uh, yeah. a true entertainer. You're a true entertainer. I mean, you are 
that working man grind oh, man, work. Definitely hit the grind for a long time. Yeah. It, I mean, what was interesting is I figured out this idea of this, the high school thing. That was that yeah. was a new idea. I'm like, how can I get more people to come? And because I, when I did the high school tour, the average attendance was 800 people. Isn't that amazing? I had like uh, I had all these people come because I, I had found choirs to sing my songs mm. with me. So you have a when you have a hundred wow. member choir singing your songs, and then they then you turn it into a fundraiser for their choir. It's say sell tickets, and half of the proceeds go to your choir or something. They each sell four or five tickets, and you get there. You have four to f- four or five hundred people in the audience. So you're you're hearing now. Our audience is hearing the difference between the starving artist and the working artist. Right. Yeah. And it's the difference is the word work. You are a you are a working artist. Right. Because you work. You work at your craft, not yeah. only on stage. And I know so many people who sit and go, oh, I'm so talented, but no one will give me a break. Right. And you said, forget it. I'm hammer hands. I'm giving myself I'm a break. breaking it all open, <laughs> wide open. It's right with my hammer hands. Exactly. That's the, that's the, I'm breaking down walls with the hammer hands. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big difference. Right. Though. That's, I mean, that really is, Sean, and it's impressive. Somewhere along here, you started uh, doing some YouTube videos. Start taking advantage of the new mediums. Yeah, I've always been a social media guru in that sense. Where anytime there's a new social media platform, I jump all over it. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all of them. I've been uh, always trying to be on top of it. With YouTube, right when it first came out, I, I, Lindsay Sterling and I were doing a lot of videos together, and um, and then I was doing them with you know Tiffany Albert and Maddie Wilson and all these other people that kept on doing it after. And I mean, I, I think the biggest thing, if I would have stuck with the YouTube videos every single week, uh, you know, I could have I could have pigeonholed myself right into that yeah. YouTuber singer, and I didn't want to get there. So I'm like, as as soon as I started to see that that sign, I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to course correct. Yeah, diversify. But, uh, yeah, diversify it, and because I still wanted to be an original, not a cover singer. Right. And uh, a lot of them, you know, they got they became known as cover singers. Yeah, it's their version of which is wonderful. Yeah, but that's it, not what you do. It worked for them. It didn't. It, yeah. I didn't want it for me. That's just. So I, I kept thinking of like other ways. That's when I started doing the high school tour was yeah, right around that same cool. time. And I was uh, coming up with these other ideas. And I think the biggest thing I just, I always use my creativity for the business side of things just as much as for my music. Sure. I'd, uh, you know, I'd write a song and I'd say, well, that's a product. So now what, what can I do to push this product mm. to get that song to more people? And, and so YouTube definitely helped. I created YouTube videos, but I, I think in the end, like, I probably just lost a bunch of money on YouTube. <laughs> you know, they, they don't pay anything for No, it's very revenue. hard to make it in YouTube. YouTube and it's so yeah. competitive. I mean, there's no barrier to entry. Right. Anybody you can know, get in there. Yeah. You pick up a camera, you make a video. I mean, you pick up your phone. Yeah. Five minutes later, I can have a YouTube video. It's so easy to yeah. do so that everybody can do it. So you do, you do all the high school tours. Yeah. Right. And that gets your name out there quite a bit more. Right. You're building up your following on social media. Some point in here, you meet your wife. It's still a little bit later. Okay. So the, the touring is, uh, it, it's after the tour. Okay. So after a high school tour, now this is, so what's interesting is the high school tour still has a little of an echo effect. I still have choirs singing my songs. They, like a, a couple months ago, this, uh, I got this video from New Jersey mm. where they rounded up a thousand kids to sing an acapella version of one of my songs. Okay, what song was it? Live for Music. Oh, fantastic. That must have been so rewarding. Oh, it's, to have a thousand people who have no idea. I don't, I don't know them. They don't know me. 
never been to their town. Mm. Uh, just some random town in New Jersey that just felt inspired by my song, and they assembled themselves together, and they they did a whole video. They had a whole production of people come there. That I mean, is awesome. It, it was a it was a thing, you know. And, and it'll be touching. And they they've had I've had you know marching bands perform that same song. Live for Music was one that like I, I've had. That struck a chord with people. It, it did, and, and I've and I've looked at it like there's there's over ten thousand choir kids who have sung it at this uh, point. Unbelievable! It's uh, maybe now I guess eleven thousand because of that. Another yeah, thousand. another thousand. <laughs> so the high school tour ends. It You're ends. done with the high school touring. Where did, where'd you go from there? Then I I moved to Ohio on my way to Cincinnati. I mean, sorry, on my way to Miami. Mm. So I'm thinking I'm going to go into the Latin music market now. I'm like I speak Spanish. I could be the, sure. the, the gringo that sings in Spanish, you know? And, yeah. and so I, I had plans to move to Miami. I, ha- I had to take a marketing job for a year. And, that, and then, you know, when you reset everything for a year and come back to it, it takes a long time to get momentum you going You lose again. momentum so fast. Oh, uh, it, was, it was such a, a time stop for me. So I took a marketing job. And, you know, since I was good at social media, I just did some social media work for other companies. I hated it. I couldn't stand doing it's it. So hard. It was, and I, I, uh, I just didn't do any kind of music really for about a, about two years, and and I went through this phase where I'm like, man, I got to find the music in me again. So what I did was I put on a tribute concert series of different tributes of all my favorite artists that inspired me. Mm. So I did a Billy Joel tr- uh, night. I did a Beatles night. I did a Sting wow. night. Phil Collins, Elton John. Cool. Go through all these like Frank Sinatra. Uh, I was like, I got to find the music in me again. Was this in Ohio still? No, this is here in Utah. This is here in Utah. You came back to Utah. Yeah. You did this series of concerts. It was at Megaplex. We we rented out a Megaplex movie theater, and we did these these uh, this concert series. It was We started a company called Cine Stage, Cinema Stage, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it helped me remind me of like the songs that inspired me in the first place. Which you started Cine Stage with? Nate Keller. Who's a friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> Nate and I are very good friends. Nate Keller is a remarkably talented guy. He is. Such a good guy. And he's a very, he's a huge advocate of the arts. Yeah. Very he, humble guy. He in loves fact, supporting the arts. Yeah. So for our avid listeners, this is the second time Nate Keller's name has come up on this show because yeah. he also, when Michael Berklin got baptized the second time, That's right. he, he baptized Nate him, baptized him. Yeah. Nate is one of Michael's best friends. Yeah. Nate is a man beyond reproach. Mm-hmm. Could not, you, you could not find a better guy. You made it back to Utah. You never made it to Miami. No, I didn't. You're not the next, I was going to come up with the nickname Gringo Singo. <laughs> would have been a great name for you. Yeah, See, let me do your marketing. Yeah, um, or Sean Diego. But Sean <laughs> <Sean> Diego. <laughs> Welcome to Sean Diego. I love that. Um, so so this leads you back into Utah, and this is all pretty recent then. Yeah, a few you years know, ago. Because Stage only started a few years ago. Yeah, so this is where, so Stage is going on for about a year and I'm finally starting to find the music. I'm starting to find friends again, see the light again in life. You gotta rebuild your whole life. Rebuilding my whole life. And um, I meet Naomi. I meet her on a music video shoot with uh, a friend of mine. He was just like, hey, come and sing on this thing. I mean, you know, he's trying to cheer me up and he needed a singer for something. And it was this Disney parody video. It was like, oh, sure, why not? I'll yeah. sing it. You know, it's fun. And I met um, Naomi on this shoot as well as two of my closest friends on this shoot. Wow, cool. And it was just uh, really, there was like 15 of us on this music video. We're doing like, I'm I'm dressed up as the Mad Hatter with all the makeup and everything <laughs> and singing this with a lisp. I'm singing a little Justin Timberlake song. I'm like, this is fun. And she was Princess Jasmine. 
she uh she looked the part and we we just met like i didn't really like it wasn't like sparks flew right in the in the moment i'm like she's probably too young for me so i shouldn't get my hopes up but she is really awesome and i just want to you know get her info and that's it yeah and just stay in touch with her just because who knows you never cool. know and um, she's 15 years younger than me. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking there's there's no way she's going to be interested. She's 21. I'm tw- I'm 36. You know uh, what are they? What are the chances of that? So I'm still dating around. She goes she goes off to Florida for the summer to do some internship at Disney World. And so I I message her on Facebook a couple times and just keep the lines open. But I have, sure. I, I have no hope for this. I'm like right. there's no way. And and so I'm dating all these other people and, and I, I keep telling my brother I'm like. Man, if I could just find someone like Naomi, I just, you know, um, I I don't know, like, you know, what, you know, what, where I need to go and who I need to, who I need to look at or who needs to set me up. But if you can find someone like Naomi, but just a few years older, then he's like, mm. yeah, and, my, and my brother just said, like, why don't you just date Naomi? Just try it. <laughs> and like, oh, I guess yeah. why not? Duh. Why not try? <laughs> why not try? And we went on our first date. She asked me how old I was. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> uh oh. Here's where it comes. How'd she respond? She didn't respond. I mean, it was nothing. Like, it was like, yeah. I, I said, oh, yeah, I'm 36. She's like, oh, you don't look like you're 36. And she left it at that. I'm like, well, I guess that's good. Something. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> you know, uh, I probably looked like, you know, I, I was thinner at that time. Yeah. So, um, so I, I probably looked like I was maybe 26. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I think what, so when she first agreed to, to go out with me, I figured, well, it was under that assumption that I was 26 or 27. But now know? she knows and she doesn't care. She doesn't care. And How long have you guys been married now? Uh, only five months. I love it when she's with me. I love it when she's just you know coming along with me with to all these different things. She she just the most supportive with the music. I don't have to change that a thing awesome. with that. And uh, even when there's like those stressful moments, like well, I mean, like, we're on our down moment where I don't know when the next paycheck's gonna come because yeah, it's music life. It's music. Yeah. She just she doesn't seem to stress out about it. She's just like, well, okay, just keep at it. <laughs> Can't beat that. Yeah, that's no, amazing, Sean. So tell us what you're doing now. What are your ventures now? Uh, I'm always uh, doing a number of things. Right now, it's I'm scoring for film, so there's music, awesome. music for film, and that's kind of been one of my life lifelong dreams was to do the full orchestra with the, yeah. with the movie. You know, that's a, that's a big one. And then and then I've been uh, as a side like passion project. I've, I started this thing called Real Sessions, where I'm trying to help musicians out. And um, most musicians have no idea how to make money or do anything in the music business. And so I mean, like I realized. Most of my income came from my live performance videos. That mm. was that. Those are the, my most successful because that got me booked for the paid gigs. Sure. So I set up real sessions to help artists get professional live performance videos. Incredible. Yeah, you know, top of the line, best quality we can get, and uh, for a lot cheaper than what they could get otherwise. So you're giving back to the community right there. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's got to be very rewarding when you can see yourself 15 years ago. Yeah. Knowing that you had a dream, but you just didn't know how to do it. Right. And now you are a very popular musician, very well known. I mean, everybody knows you mm-hmm. and <laughs> you're able to now say, okay, let me, let me create a little bit of a path for you. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I, I wish someone would have done for me back then, but yeah. I figured it out. It took me a long time to figure it out. You know, I mean, all the, all the money spent and wasted, <laughs> I get, you know, I mean, all that money I spent on PR and marketing on things that like... If I, could, if I could go back in time and just say, don't spend that, <laughs> don't, don't, don't <laughs> you do it. But it's what made you who you are. You know, it's, it, I mean, those were, the, those are the experiences that help you to be yeah. oh, who I, you are now. Of course. And, and, and that's invaluable. And it's hard to really know like what, what you could really change in the, in the past. Of course. I mean, certain things just, just came along because it needed to. Ah, oh, it's awesome. 
If people want to follow you and want to follow your music, what's the best way to do it? Uh, Instagram is the one I'm the most uh, on top of, and it's just at Sean Barrows. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it's S-H-A-U-N-B-A-R-R-O-W-E-S. Um, that's probably the easiest way. The easiest way to find out when you're going to be... Are you still doing a lot of live performing? Not as much. I don't a do it as less. much. Yeah. I, I've been composing and songwriting, and now I'm I'm writing for other artists a lot now. Yeah. So, what, a, what a wonderful... It's just fun to see your career. It's fun... I had heard about you so much before I got to see you perform a few yeah, years back. Yeah. And when I saw you perform, I went, oh, yeah, I get it now. I totally get it. Yeah. Because you've got this this uh, this energy about you. But what I love to hear is, you know, I was recording, then I was doing this, then I was doing CineStage, right. now I'm scoring. And you've taken this love of music and let it take you down these incredible paths. It's been a I think a it's a cool story, Sean. It's a really neat story you've got. It's, you know, and I guess when you go back to the 15-year-old me, you never, I never would have thought any of this would have happened the way it happened. Yeah, I, I, of course. Yeah. I would have, you know, you, just, you always think it's going to be completely different. And then you look back and you're like, wow, I mean, I guess that was the better way to go. Yeah. You know, there's, a, I, there's still this moment I always look back on. When I first went out to Hollywood as a 22-year-old, getting ready, thinking about dropping out of school or whatever, and I met up with uh, a big tycoon. Uh, he owns a lot. He owned a record label, owned a big production studio, and the things that he was, I mean, what what he was asking me to do was just so uncomfortable. And I was like, "This is, this is the music industry. Like, this is isn't mm. there like a better side to this? Like, you know, the he he made it sound like this is the only way to go. Ugh. That was the offer he was giving me. He's like, "Look, I'll make you a top ten star. We'll give you two top ten hits. You just gotta, you know." be willing to do these things. And I always look back on that. I'm like, I'm so glad I turned him down. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's interesting. Like right after that happened, they started promoting uh, Bruno Mars. Yeah. And he was a very similar sound to what I was going for at the time. And so I was like, this is probably who they went with instead. Unbelievable. So I, uh, I, I passed up on the, uh, the, the slot, the Bruno Mars slot. And yet you, know? you look at where it took you and with your wife now and what you're doing to help other people. Right. Is it interesting to look back? I, I know in my life I look back at the mistakes even or the divergent paths where I go, why on earth did I do that? Now yeah. that I look at it, to me it's reinforcing to my testimony. To yeah. me it makes me go, oh, wait, God had a plan the whole time. Right. Do you see that? Oh, absolutely. If if I would have given in on that that moment, I would have been so lost. Yeah. I would have been so, so uh felt guilty the rest of my life and never really felt like I earned anything that I got. Mm. And the the success that I had since instead was it wasn't to to Bruno Mars status by any means, but it was definitely successful for a musician. I was able to make a six-figure income for 10 years as a musician. That's It's uh, unheard of. I mean, it's Yeah. That's the exception. Right. Sean, it's a great story, and I'm so glad you got to share it with us, and, and thank you for that. And Thanks for we're having gonna, me on here. Yeah, no, we're going to close with uh, the last question we ask all of our guests, same okay. last question, which is, uh, what does being a member of the church mean to you? There's no right or wrong answer to it. It's, I mean, for me, the biggest thing is it's, it's a personal stress reliever. As someone who, in the music and any entertainment in general, a lot of us struggle with depression and anxiety. And for me, reading the Book of Mormon is the only like consistent source of pulling me out of that. Yeah. So, so I, I you can try all different kinds of things, including music, but nothing is as consistent as just reading the Book of Mormon. It pulls me out and says, "Oh yeah, that's what life's about." And yeah. I think that's probably the biggest thing for me is it. 
I'm always reminded of that eternal perspective of that's what life's about. And it makes me relax and realize that I'm okay. Oh, Things are beautiful. Be okay. What a great message. So uh, again, check out Sean on Instagram. It's at Sean uh, Barrows and uh you can check out his music. You can go back to some of the older YouTube things yeah. and kind of see how Sean there. has progressed. And Sean, thanks so much for coming on, sharing your Latter-day life with us. Thanks for having me on here. My special thanks to Sean Barrows. Is he incredible? And if you have not listened to his music yet, please go check out his music. It is fantastic. He is an incredible, just amazingly talented artist and uh, grateful to have Sean as a friend. What a great guy. Uh, This week in my Latter-day life, I have spent the past week on a cruise and it was such a fun experience. We had 11 of us and we were celebrating my parents' 50th wedding anniversary, and one night we found out that the theater, that the headliner, uh, was a guy by the name of Ron Lucas. If you want to look him up, it's R-O-N-N, Lucas, and he is a ventriloquist, much like a few weeks ago we had Carrie Summers on, who is also a very talented ventriloquist. Ron is legendary in the the, the ventriloquism and entertainment circles. Uh, He's just incredible. He's actually performed for President Reagan, President Bush, both senior and junior, President Clinton. Uh, He's just amazing. He's been on The Tonight Show multiple times, and his show was outstanding. So fun and family-friendly, really appropriate. And afterward, my kids and I, my kids were just thrilled with him and fascinated by his ventriloquism. So we walked down to meet him and to say hello. And once we walked down and shook his hand, we got to talking a little bit. And, you know, me dabbling in entertainment, we have a few mutual friends that we talked about a bit. And we walked down and uh, once we got to talking, he said, hey, I'd love to get together and talk a bit more. So we met the next day for lunch and we sat talking at lunch. Uh, Ron is just an incredible human being. And I mentioned I'm from Utah and he said, oh, are you LDS? And I said, well, I am. Now, I knew that if he asked LDS and not Mormon, that he probably knew something about the church. And and he went on to say that one of his closest friends is LDS, someone he met when he was entertaining at a big scout jamboree. And they have become uh, really dear friends and that they go camping together. They go hiking and camping once a year. And he raved about his friend and about how incredible it was. Then he told me about how he went and did a special presentation or a special show for his friend at his friend's ward, how he made jokes about the Cultural Hall and the Relief Society. He knew quite a bit about the church. Um, I was very impressed with his feelings about members of the church. Uh, we, We had lunch. We actually sat and talked for about three hours. And then the next night, I invited him to dinner with our whole family. And Ron came and sat with us and entertained and told funny stories about when he was on TV and all kinds of great stuff. And he is a wonderful human being. And it was obvious that while he is not a member of the church, he knows a lot about it and has so much respect and love. And that made it easier for me. So someone else who was his friend uh, basically built up this image of the church in Ron's mind. I took the ball and I continued forward with it, but it was much easier. I didn't have to undo what this other guy had done. 
Ron already had a good good view as to who we were, and hopefully after meeting me and my family, he still has a good view. He texted me this morning, and we're going to stay in touch. It seems like he really likes our family, and and it just reminds me that wherever we go, we stand out. We are Mormons. We are LDS. And everywhere we go, people notice us, and they form opinions about the entirety of the church based on our interactions. I hope and pray that I never do anything that would bring any kind of shame or make it difficult for the next Mormon because of my actions. And I'm thankful for Ron and just the fun experiences we had this week, being with family, celebrating my parents' anniversary. It was a great reminder as to what is really important in my life. And that is what is happening this week in my Latter-day life. So thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you'll check us out again next week when we've got a fantastic interview. Uh, Just a great show coming up next week. Also, uh, remember, our one-year anniversary show is coming up. If you've got questions or if you want to tell me who your favorite guest is or a guest you'd like to have on, whatever you want to do, I can be emailed at sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. Or you can reach out to us on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter. We're in all of those places. And again, just like Katie Darling, too, if you want to leave us a review, that helps us more than anything to get the word out to uh, other people about the, the podcast so they can hear all these amazing members of the church. So until next week, when we meet again, please remember, as always, there is a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.